The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice. Thanks for tuning in to Brothers on Law on Go Country 105. I'm Larry Mandel. And I'm Rob Mandel. And we've been trial attorneys here in Los Angeles for over 40 years. On our show, we will discuss current events, talk about legal issues, and have some very entertaining guests stop by. So stay tuned every week for Brothers on Law right here on Go Country 105. All right, here we are, the Brothers on Law. I'm Rob Mandel. And I'm Larry Mandel. And we're so glad to be back with you. And I, I just want to throw another one out to uh, Debbie, the mortgage mom. She's just great. She is. Hey, Rob, remember when uh, you were probably about maybe 10, 12 years old, and you used to walk around the house. Now, we had a house that was a single story. It kind of wrapped around the corner, and the bedrooms were on one side, and the living room and the kitchen were on the other. But... I could hear you sing from your bedroom all the way to the other side of the house. And it sounded and, good, I bet, No, huh? it drove me absolutely crazy and everybody yeah. else in the household. I mean, you would just sing at the top of your lungs. And I thought, how I can, it, can it get any worse than this? And it did, because then you bought a harmonica. And then you started playing that harmonica, and it was like, oh, my ears, I'm praying to the gods, please get this guy, get this guy some lessons, do something. So I, I confronted you one day. You didn't confront me. You were really cool, actually. You right. came in with three albums. All right, let me finish. You came in with Paul, Paul Butterfield, Butterfield. Let me finish. The John Resurrection Mayall. of Pig Boy Crabshaw, which was Paul Butterfield. Yeah, John Mayo. And Cream. Right. Okay. And that was a guy named Jack Bruce. Right. And they were all incredible harmonica players. Especially you know. Paul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I said, Rob, and these were like 33 you know, albums, vinyl. And I said, Rob, just listen to these things. Just do it and, and practice and sound like them. Yeah. And I thought, there's no way. But maybe six months or so later, after Rob had consistently and constantly listened to these things, he's playing for me and I'm going, What? He's nailed it. He sounds like these guys. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. My little 13-year-old brother at that point was like, he's on his way. He's going to be a harmonica player. He's going to be a blues player yeah, in, in the band. Well, it's always been part of my life. Yeah, I want to. I want to hear. Hey, you did you bring your harmonica today? I always have my harmonica. There right? you go. I, I want to hear what it sounds like. This is like my gold-plated one in E in uh, E flat, and it plays in B flat. Yeah. There you go, brother. A bit there. All right. Yeah. 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 All there right. You the go. producers like hey, it. That's and, a good and sign. And going along this music theme, we have a very special guest today, Rob. Why don't you tell us about him? He's somebody you work with. Well, uh, actually, he is my friend for uh, many, many years now. And I'm just lucky to know this gentleman because music, music has been such a big part of my life. And I still write songs. And when I write songs, I get together with my friend Carmen Grillo almost every time because he is one of the best producers in town. He's a, a writer himself, a vocalist extraordinaire. And lead guitar player. And a lead and a guitar player like you wouldn't believe. He's uh, written and performed with the likes of Tower of Power, which he toured with for uh, a decade, Rita Coolidge, 
Smokey Robinson, Huey Lewis, uh, and uh, his close friend Bill Champlin from the, the Sons of Champlin, along with Max Weinberg, just to name a few. Wow, what a bio. That's hey, pretty cool. Welcome to the show, Carmen. Thanks, Rob. Nice to be here. Hello, hey, Carmen. Thanks, buddy. Hey, Larry. So, uh, tell us about your music career. How, how did you get into it? I got into it, I mean, if you really want to go all the way back. Um, yeah, let's want, do if that. If you want me to go all the way back, uh, the, um, the first time I really saw music was uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and there was a, uh, a party in, at the neighbor's house really close, uh, you know, that you could see through the fence, and they had a band in the backyard. Nice. And I went, wow, this looks really cool. And I just was, I just couldn't stop looking at these guys, you know, and, and, the, and the drummer was right in the corner, right by my backyard, and I was watching him, and I just said, Dad, I want to play drums. And so um, my dad got me a little snare drum, and we got some lessons and stuff like that, and pretty soon then I had a whole kit. And this was when I was like, um, you know, seven years old. Wow. And so I started playing drums when I was uh, when I was seven years old, and then I uh, got in school bands and started playing saxophone uh, in in the school bands, and then. Uh, so you've had a well-rounded oh yeah uh, musical yeah. experience. Yeah, so so drums and then saxophone because you always want to hit stuff when you're a kid. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> and uh, especially your big brother. <laughs> well, I didn't have hey, one, so I, I just hit the drums, and. and uh, and then my dad was a big guitar fan, so he always had like all these Les Paul records and all these other big band records and all these really great guitar players. And so I, I would grew up about, you know, listening to all this music. And uh, and, and then he he liked the Ventures. I don't know if anybody remembers. Sure, the yeah, Ventures. it's a surf band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they were playing at the local college, and uh, and he took me. I was at ten years old at this point, and he took me to the uh, the local college to see the Ventures. And uh, I noticed at 10 years old, wow, the drummer's way in the back. You know, wow, there's no saxophone player. Yeah, so you wanted to be up front. Yeah, so, front man. wow, the guitar player's got all these girls around him. Nice, <laughs> that's right. So that's I went, right. Dad, I want to play guitar. And my dad started, you know, going, wow, you want to play drums, saxophone, and guitar? Like, how am I going to pay for all of this? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, no, I think I'm going to let the drums and saxophone go and just play guitar. And, and he was in my corner the whole time and and all the other musician friends that i knew growing up you know from when i was like 10 to, to into into way into my teens their parents hated the fact that their that their kids were going to be musicians right but my parents so it was em- a tough em- road it is yeah. but my parents embraced it and, and completely supported my uh you know my music career hats off you to know. your parents for yeah, supporting absolutely. that and look absolutely. how it's developed after yeah. all these years so how did you make that bridge then from you know just playing as a kid to being a professional. Well, started playing in bands when I was uh, in junior high school. You know, the, you know, you just meet people. There's oh wow, you play drums, great. Oh wow, you play bass, great. So, you know, you start these little bands and you start, you know, like you were talking about listening to Cream and Paul Butterfield and that's the and Stones and that's the kind of people that that we listen to and we started, you know, learning their songs and copying them and and started playing at the at the junior high school dances. And then when I was in high school, I played at all my high school dances, and the bands got better and better and better. And and then uh, we started opening up for some bigger names. And uh, you know, one of the one of the coolest stories was when when I was uh, when I was sixteen. Actually, no, I wasn't sixteen. I was fourteen. I had another friend, guitar player, who was sixteen, who had his driver's license, 
and he went to go see bb king at the fillmore this is when i was living in santa cruz california so the, so the fillmore 75 miles away in, right in, in san, in san francisco. francisco and he had lucille bb king he that had, was his guitar. yeah yeah he had lucille exactly and um and and my friend met bb king you know when he came off stage and told him about me he said you know said, I, my, my buddy's said, a high got, guitar player i got this friend who's 14 years old who's really good and and uh and bb said well i'd like to meet the boy you know? so <laughs> nice. so he so he came over to my house the next day and said man bb wants to meet you man you know so wow. so um so bb came uh we met him at the fairmont hotel in san francisco and um and uh went up to bb's room and i played with bb king when i was 14 years old for about three hours and it was the most incredible experience he was just was the nicest man in the world and that uh, is incredible that's gotta be it was very very inspiring and uh and the greatest thing about that whole thing is i've got it on a little reel-to-reel tape that i still have and still plays and and bb's thing to me was was okay you know you you got to pull from your full vocabulary what he was saying oh, as a as a guitar awesome. player he's going right now you're about from a to m you got to get from a to z you know and i never Sweet. ever forgot that and it was just uh it just made me want to practice more and learn more and and uh and and then you know farther on in my career i i opened up my band opened up for bb and and uh it was maybe a couple of years later and he and when i looked on the side of the stage he was sitting there watching me and it was it was just an, an incredible feeling so he remembered you and he said he did. Oh, he said he did. <laughs> and so, I think he did. How, how so he, many people? And the reason I think he did is because when, when we did our little uh, jam session up in his hotel room, Guitar Player Magazine was there to do an interview with him. And then a couple of months later, when Guitar Player Magazine came out, uh, it, the title of the article was Jamming with BB. And they didn't have my name, but but it talked about this 14-year-old kid who came in and played with BB. And, oh, stuff. Wow. Was, and I still have that Guitar Player magazine from the 60s or early 60s it sounds like that's almost like a turning point in your life oh yeah this this session yeah there's definitely uh, you know certain certain uh times in my life that that were like you know these are big this is a big deal you know and it and it really inspires you to to do more and and go forward you know so can you think of another highlight i mean that's a great highlight in your life how about some other highlight you can tell our audience okay well you know, a lot of people know who Bill Champlin is. He was he was the, the, he's most famous for writing "After the Love Is Gone" for Earth, Wind, and Fire, and "Turn Your Love Around" for George Benson, and being in the band Chicago for 28 years. And um, but before that, he was in a band called the Sons of Champlin, which still exists. And now I'm the the guitar player in the Sons of Champlin. And this, and the, this is a band that came out of the East Bay area of uh, California. San Francisco band, yeah. right? Yeah, Marin okay. County, you yeah. And in, in, in a very cult type of following not a lot of people know who they are but the fans are still diehard fans right. 50 years later you know? because they were originators of like white soul exactly you say? You know, Bill's yeah. such a great soulful soulful singer you know and, and, and I you know could never really figure out you know who I was as a musician at a, at a certain point you know when I was maybe 17 18 years old and I, I went to a party and uh, and there was this song playing it was called Freedom and it was playing on a record player 
And I literally was like turning my head, looking at the record, going around, go, who is this? I really like this. They had horns. They had a Hammond B3. The guy was a soulful singer. And I went, well, this is the kind of stuff I really want to do. So I just did some research and got their albums. And and, uh, and then I was playing it at a place. I was underage at the time, but they let me play at this bar. And, I, and, uh, and the Sons of Champlin were going to play at the same place that I played at. And I said, man, can I get in and see these guys? And that was another life changer for me because to see him live was just really, really inspiring. And I didn't want to go up to him and meet him, you know, and, and say, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of your music and all right. that kind of thing. So a few years go by and all of a sudden I get a call from a club owner that, that used to play at his club a lot. And he said, would you guys like to open up for the Sons of Champlain? I said, yes, that would be that would be great. So I figured, well, this might be a, a good chance for, for me to meet him. So... So uh, we did our set, and uh, and and Bill was out in the audience with his with his guitar player named Terry Haggerty, and they came up to me after after the show and said, "Man, you know who are you? We really want to meet you. You're you know you play really good and, and you sang really good." And wow, that and must it, have blown you. It away. Blew, it blew me away. And Bill said said, "Where do you live?" And I said, "I live in Santa Cruz." He goes, "I'm going there because we're playing in Santa Cruz tomorrow night. Wait till after the show. We'll go there. To, we'll go. I'll drive you home." Nice. And so, and from then on, me and Bill became best friends, and he's been instrumental in, in my career all along. He's always been another person in my corner who's talked me up and gotten me a lot of great gigs, and you know, and, and we we did a lot of vocal sessions on tons and tons of records on in the eighties and nineties, and uh, you know, and he was always like, you know, we need another singer. Let's call this guy. You know, so he would always call me in, and I all of a sudden I'm working with David Foster. I'm working with all these incredible producers, and. You know that that was another life changer for me as well. Wonderful. And, and you're writing music and singing music as of currently, right? Right, of course. And yeah. producing, and that kind of brings me to uh, a topic I'd like to talk about with you, and that is because I know you. Uh, obviously, I've seen you play guitar. I've heard you play guitar on my stuff and and uh, all over the place. But I know you mostly as this phenomenal producer and songwriter in your own right. And I know that, you, that it can be a struggle to protect your uh, creation as, a, as an artist and make sure that if, if there's money to be made on the material, it's coming to the right person. So how, what has been your experience in that? Because here you're, you're, obviously you're sitting here with a couple of lawyers, mm -hmm. so we want to explore that a little bit. So Rob, you're talking about how to protect yourself. No, I want to know song, what 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 right? he's confronted first. You know what what uh, uh, what his experience has been in in facing those issues. Okay. Well, first of all, you got to write some music that's going to be good, good, <laughs> so you can protect it. You know, I mean, there's got to so be it's a worth reason. Protecting. There's got to be a reason to protect it. And, right. And, um, and luckily, I've had some some success with writing. Um, I had a song with with the band Chicago. Um, on Chicago 18 called One More Day and uh, that was another life changer because I was able to buy a house with that with the with the money that that generated wow. and that, but that was then and That's this right. is now it's a very much harder uh, you know space to, to try to be successful in in the, in the music business now because with streaming uh, we, we used to have record sales Sure. You know, people don't really buy records or albums or even or CDs, CDs anymore. Yeah. They download 
things. And you and you make a certain amount of money from downloading a, a song, but it's not what it used to be. You know, yeah. it used to be. Um, uh, if you got played on FM radio, it was about n- nine cents a spin, which doesn't sound like a lot of money. Yeah, and it's not. But if you get a million spins, it starts to generate, you know, some some cash. Right. And uh, nowadays, uh, with streaming, the rate is point zero zero three, a third of a cent. So oh they took gosh. their that took that nine cents and reduced it to. A third, a third of a, of a cent. cent. For example, Pharrell Williams, who had the song "Happy" a year or two ago, sure, very popular. Uh, you know, really I good mean, song. obviously, he made a lot of money from from uh, downloads and, and uh, reuse and all that stuff in FM, in you know, radio and satellite right. radio, licensing, and all, it. licensing, and all those kind of things. But but his streaming income that he got three million. Uh, streams and he made three thousand dollars. Oh, so that's, that's criminal. That's Doesn't the best make any sense, that you it? can do now. Yeah, you know, which which is like, and I keep saying they need to fix that, and I don't know who they are. You know, I don't know who who yeah. makes this. Maybe Taylor who, Swift knows. <laughs> well, Taylor, you know, she pulled her stuff off off Spotify because she just, you know, it's just like you know. It wasn't right. working for her. I'm not going to make yeah. money on it. I don't yeah. want you you to to make money, or right. I don't want you taking advantage of right. my art. Right, so so these companies um, like Spotify and Pandora, you know, they must be making hordes and hordes of money because you know you, there's these subscriptions to to get access to all of the material, right. and they're paying the writers minimal, minimal, minimal. And right. I don't know who came up with cent. this. I don't know who came up with this figure or how it got to be okay, but it it's not okay. Yeah, I guess it was well, and let if you don't agree to the third of a cent, we'll just pirate it. We'll right, just, you know, right, and, uh, and that's a, uh, the the pirating that happened. There was a whole decade of where people thought music should be free, and there were all these illegal sites where people right. could get any music they want. And so there was a whole generation of people who grew up, you know, thinking music should be free. Right. So so now it's really hard to get them to pay for that because it's you know once you get it for free, why do you want to pay for it? Right. So yeah, it used to be, to be the some... only place it was free was on the radio. Right. And the radio had to pay. Right, the radio station or the people playing it on the radio had to pay uh, a, a organization mm-hmm. like ASCAP or BMI. Right, how, mm-hmm. how to explain how those work and why, well, and and tell us why they're not in the mix on on making this a you know a little more profitable. They keep trying to do that. They, they meet with Congress and try to you know get the change the laws and i don't know what the laws are or what they have been in the past but but there has to be some type of change that makes uh you know an artist music is you know it's in everybody's life it it heals people it 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 gives you a you know people that are interested in having a career in music i mean how can you have a career in music if you get three million plays and make three thousand dollars it's just yeah it's just we don't want to hold back art should not be free Uh, yeah we don't want to hold back the music on country 105 we want the songs keep on rolling have you suffered or been injured by someone else's negligence? When you need a legal team that will stand up for what is right, won't give up the fight and obtain justice, call 818-886-6600. Mandel Trial Lawyers specializes in personal injury cases of all types. Whether it's a car accident, product or premises liability, dog bite, or a catastrophic injury, Mandel Trial Lawyers are there for you when the fight is worth it. Call now for your free consultation, 818-886-6600. Let the scales of justice tip in your favor. 
you do produce and sing on and play on country sure. songs all the time. Whatever right? it pay, which, whatever's which paying that day. Together. Yeah. You yes. guys did together. But, so I want to talk song, about. Well, let's yeah, let's let's talk about one of Carmen's songs. What's it? it's um, called? Come and gone. It's called Come and Gone. Yes. That's kind of catchy. It's on my album, which is called A Different World, and like I'm talking about now as far as the the payment the way that things work in the music business it is a different world and in more aspects than one in the whole you know everything with you know political things and all kinds of stuff that we won't get into but right but uh, it, it is a different world so i think it it's is. appropriately named all right and what genre would you say this is this is blues blues yeah. all right so we're gonna play some blues on go country carmen grillo So high Not even King Kong Could reach it If there were a course In breaking hearts You could teach it Your Prince Charming coupon Has just expired If loving is a job I've just retired I've come and gone And I move on Awesome. That was incredible, well, buddy. All right, so uh, is it time to uh, to talk about our tip of the day, Larry? Yeah, I think so. Why you, don't you go for it? <laughs> so yeah. the tip of the day is this. You got to stay hydrated. Most people walk around dehydrated and don't know it. 
Water, not coffee, is essential for optimal health. It's recommended that you drink at least a half your weight in ounces of water daily. What? So if you, yeah, yeah. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you need to drink 100 ounces per day. That's now, crazy. One, yeah, that's crazy. That's but like one three person, quarts of water in a day. I could never do that. So Not with my prostate. I mean, so, <laughs> so just the other day, somebody's saying, "I go, you're drinking coffee. You drink coffee all day long." He says, "But what's in the other hand? Water." So what he does is he drinks a cup of coffee, but then he follows with a cup of water to balance it out. That's his dehydration theory. Okay? Mm. Did you well, know? So did you know? It, there's a this is a law uh, passed last year in here right here in California. If you are a full if you are at a full-service restaurant and you'd like to sip your drink through a single-use plastic straw, you'll now have to ask for one. Restaurants can be fined for repeated violations. And what's that all about, Larry? That's about not having plastic go into our system and our into oceans. our oceans. Oceans. Yeah, well, it goes we from our plastic, system to our oceans. Right, we got plastic floating around in the ocean right now the size of Texas, and that's not an exaggeration. So, all right. We're ready for Mandel Messages, Rob. Now it's time to check the Mandel Message Box. This is uh, David from Silver Lake writes in, I'm a musician and I was hired to perform at a banquet for a charity event. My contract was finalized and I was preparing to perform a few days before the event was canceled. There was no clause in my contract about the cancellation. I'd like my money. Do I have a valid case? What do you think, Rob? Uh, Well, before I answer that, Carmen, has that happened to you? No, it no? hasn't, thankfully. Oh, yeah. You've run into some other I, issues. I, you know, usually when a contract will have some type of clause in it that says, you know, if, if it's cancellation on the party that's going to be paying you, that, you know, it's not your fault, so you at least get like a 50% of it back or right. something like that. So he needs to check his contract to see if there is a clause. Oh, he says there was There's no, no clause. clause right. Oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't see that. Well... I, I would say it's, it falls into this theory of what I call promissory estoppel. And that is if someone makes you a promise and then you change your position to some extent to your own detriment based on that promise, you can enforce it even if it's not in the contract. So that means like, uh, okay, you're going to play at this gig and now he went ahead and uh, – canceled or uh, turned down other work in order to make that gig and now they're and when they cancel it he doesn't have time to to uh, get anything else right it's not bad but i think he's still going to have a rough road because if you look at the four corners of the contract you look at the language and there's nothing in there about cancellation he may have done that at his own risk grab i don't know about that i think fair is fair and the law generally helps people that uh, uh, are acting in good faith. Well, common sense, yeah. Yeah, common sense, buddy. Okay, so, um, oh, so speaking of... Uh, well, speaking about Carmen, you, Rob. Yeah, speaking of <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> All right. So, Ed Carmen. Carmen, as a producer, as a, a singer, and I go to him with all my music. And like I say, this is a big part of my life. I do it uh, several times a year, going to uh, Carmen's studio. And I've been doing it for probably 30 years now. And uh, there's a song uh, that I just want to play right now that Carmen produced for me uh, that I wrote. And I don't sing on it. We had uh, uh, Bill Champlin's son sing on it. And what a voice. All right, let's, let's hear The Beautiful Road, written by me, me, me. 
Quite a few times. That's a great song. What, what do you think? Voice. All right, that's about it for our show. Wow, that was fun. We want Real to thank fun. Carmen for joining us. So I think it's about time to wrap it up here, and we thank you for tuning in and catch us next week right here on Go Country 105. And remember, let the scales of justice tip in your favor. Go, Rob. The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice.